Turn your Bibles. Uh, We are going to be in the book of Titus, Titus chapter 2, if you would. And as you're turning there, a son and a mom were talking, and the son said, Mom, why is a computer so smart? Mom looked at the son, and she said, because it listens to its motherboard. You hear that, children? It listens to the motherboard. Milton Berle, he once said, if evolution were really true, then how come moms only have two hands? Amen? That's a good one. Moms, if your children are giving you a headache, follow the directions on the aspirin bottle, especially the part that says, keep away from children. Think about it. You'll get it soon. (laughs) Amen. This morning I want to talk about how a mother's work is never done. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to a time in my life when things get easier. Amen. Looking forward to that time. And there's a group that is especially deserving of that time, and that is all the moms. Amen. Moms deserve that time when things get easier easier. So consider the progression of a mom. You know, first, moms are like, if I can just get through this pregnancy, things will be so much easier. Amen? And then comes all the sleepless nights, right? Then the baby finally starts sleeping through the night, and then teething happens. And then you have that headache all over again. And you think, well, at least once the baby can walk, things will certainly get easier. Yeah, right. Easier for them to get into everything, right? Well, how about when they go to school? It's got to get easier once they start school. Well, that is until they have the three to four hours of homework every night and, you know, also the friend drama, whether it be boyfriend or girlfriend, all that drama they bring with it. All right, then. It has to be when they grow up, they get married, and they have a family of their own. That's when things get easier, right? Well, the truth is, moms... It doesn't seem to get easier because your work is never quite done. Amen. I want to share a little something with you that kind of highlights that. Mom and dad were watching TV when mom said, it's getting late. I'm starting to get tired. I think I'm going to go to bed. She went to the kitchen to make uh, sandwiches for tomorrow's lunches, rinsed out some popcorn bowls, took, meat out, of the fr- uh, took uh, meat out of the freezer to thaw for tomorrow's dinner, checked the cereal box levels, filled the sugar bowl, put spoons and bowls on the table for breakfast, and set the timer on the coffee pot for 5 a.m. She then put some wet clothes into the dryer, put another load of dirty clothes into the washer, ironed a shirt, and sewed on a button. She picked up the newspaper that was on the floor, picked up the game pieces that were left on the table, and put a roll of tape back into the junk drawer. She watered the plants, emptied a a wastebasket, hung up a towel to dry. She yawned, stretched, and headed for the bedroom. She stopped at the desk to write a note for the teacher, put some money in an envelope for the field trip, and pulled a textbook out from hiding under the chair. She signed a birthday card for a friend, addressed and stamped the envelope, and wrote a quick reminder for the grocery store. Mom then moisturized her face, brushed out her hair, trimmed her eyebrows and nails, and brushed her teeth. Hubby called out, I thought you were going to bed. I'm on my way, she said. 
She put some water into the dog's dish and then checked, uh, and, uh, checked on the locked doors. She looked in on the kids, turned on the nightlight, hung up a shirt, threw some dirty socks into the hamper, and had a quick talk with the one that was still up doing homework. In her own room, she set the alarm, laid out her clothes for the next day, and then added five things on tomorrow's to-do list that she couldn't get to today. About that time, Hubby turned off the TV and announced to no one in particular, I'm going to bed, and he did. Amen. A mother's work is never done. Praise God for all the moms. Amen. Look at Titus chapter 2. We're going to be in Titus chapter 2. And the book of Titus, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, he wrote this letter to a young preacher and, and church planner named Titus. And he wrote this letter to instruct Titus on how to set up a church, how to properly set up a church. And in it, he focuses on two key points. The first key point is the importance of sound doctrine based on the word of God only. The Bible's teaching on salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ is the foundation of Christianity. Paul stresses that over and over in the book of Titus. And he also says that God's word is the central point and is sufficient for the church. Amen? You ever wondered why the pulpit is always centered in the church is because God's word should be coming out of the pulpit, and that needs to be the central point of the church service. Amen? The second important point that he pointed out in this letter to Titus was appointing church leaders that were godly. You must appoint godly church leaders. These leaders are responsible to assist the pastor in teaching the word of God. Amen? That is their first and foremost uh, uh, job. Therefore, they have to be sound in their doctrine according to the word of God as well. Then he moves on to the elders and the deacons and the trustees. However, after he gives instructions to these leaders, he turns his attention to another group, and that is the women of the church. He outlines the extremely important role that women hold in the church. Let's pick up in Titus chapter 2, starting right at verse 1. He says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul instructs uh, that the teaching of the Bible, that is the, the most important part of the church. He then outlines those, those three groups that are responsible. First is the pastor. Secondly are the elders or the trustees. And then thirdly are the older women. Amen? That might be a surprise to, to many people that the older women are the third group that the, the, that the Bible mentions is important to the teaching of the word of God in the church. Amen? 
So let me put it into context. Men, we are called to be the spiritual leaders in our home. Amen? But nothing is more precious than that nurturing bond that a mom has with her children. Amen? That nurturing bond that a mom forms with her children, and nothing will ever surpass a mother's teaching to her children. Amen? And that teaching starts with that first song that she sings to her little baby still in the womb. Amen? Teaching starts while the baby is still in the womb. So a question. When does a mom's teaching stop? Think about that for a second. When does that teaching stop? Is it when the children become teenagers and, you know, they get to that point where they know more than the parents? (laughs) Is that when they stop teaching? You know, every teenager hits that point when you know you're smarter than your parents, right? Then as you get older, you realize how stupid you really are. Is it that point? How about when they are married and and have a family of their own? Is is that when the teaching stops? Well, the simple answer to both is no. Amen? No. A mom's work is never done. As your children get older, the approach that you take will change, but the message is always the same. Amen? The message will not change. So question number two, how is that teaching done? How, is the, how do you teach your children, especially as they get older? Well, moms, I want you to listen up. You teach the most, not by what you say, but by how you live. It's in your behavior. Amen? As parents, we teach our children the most by how we live, the way that we live and the way that we honor God. Verse 3, it says, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior. Amen? Reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And out of that godly behavior, out of that reverent behavior, your example will teach the younger women. Amen? Will teach the younger women. Look, I'm, I'm wise enough Not to ask any woman if they consider themselves an older woman. Amen? Not going to do it. But the truth is that every adult woman is older than another young woman out there. Whether they're in this church or out in the world or in your family. Amen? Every older woman is older than someone younger than them. Another young lady that is younger than them. And every woman here has a more mature woman that they can look up to as an example. Amen? Look up to as a mentor. So every woman in this church can teach the younger women about godly behavior, about reverent behavior. Amen? Teachers of good things. Now, I want to clarify something really, really important this morning. Amen? Something very important. I want you to note that I did not say that you teach by giving that perfect example of how you lived. Amen? By being a perfect example of godly behavior every day of your life. It's not what I said. Amen? And it's not what the Bible says. None of us can live a perfect 
uh, life. None of us can set a perfect example. Our lives are far from perfect, amen? If perfection was the qualification to teach, I would have been booted out of this pulpit from day one, amen? Perfection is not the qualification. Perfection is not the goal. You're to teach what the Bible says. That's exactly what God's point is. We are to teach what the Bible says. And yes, that can contain some examples of of things that you've been successful in doing. Things that you're strong in your life, that you you have strength spiritually in. But it should also include those areas in your life that you failed. And share the consequences of what happened because of that failure. Amen? We learn the most from our failures. I know I do. So it's not about being perfect and setting that perfect example. It's about teaching what the Bible says. So moms, even if your children are grown, you still teach them. Every time you talk to them, every time you see them, by the way that you live, amen? By your behavior. That's the most important thing. You know, it's heartbreaking when you look at all the consequences, when you, when you look at all the statistics that are out there of children that were abandoned by their mom. Its effects are emotional, mental, and spiritual. And these effects, they don't just last a lifetime of that child. They last for generations to come. Amen? And that, same, that, is, that, that truth is the same even when those women in the church abandoned their responsibility of teaching the younger women. Verse 4. Teachers of good things that they admonished the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, to be homemakers, to be good, obedient to their uh, own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. I want you to underline that last phrase, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? Why does God use such strong language there? He wants us to understand that there is an eternal consequence when we fail to do our obligation to teach. Amen? In the church. When we fail to do our obligation to teach in the church, there are eternal consequences. That's why God uses such harsh language that the word of God may not be blasphemed. He's stressing those eternal consequences. Let me illustrate all of this with a a godly example. I want us to consider a mom named Monica. Now, Monica lived roughly about 1,600 years ago. And yet her legacy is still teaching women today. The legacy that she left, how she lived her life. Now, Monica is the mother of Augustine of Hippo. Now, most of you out there are probably saying, never heard of either one. Amen? Monica and Augustine. Well, Augustine is a very well-known Bible scholar. Um, He wrote extensively on Christianity, 
and faith in Jesus Christ. And um, in fact, he wrote over 5 million words on the topics, the topics of of Christianity and, and faith in Jesus Christ. You think about 5 million words. That's equivalent to a 350-word essay every single day for 43 and a half years. That's just how long he actually wrote about Christianity, about faith in Christ. 43 and a half years, 5 million words. That's equivalent to a 350-word essay every single day for 43 and a half years. To say the least, Augustine has been very influential on Christianity for many, many years. However, his life wasn't always that way. Amen? A little bit about Augustine and his family. So, Augustine was born into an unequally yoked home. His father, Patricius, was an unsaved, ungodly pagan who frequently committed adultery and cheated on his mom, Monica. Monica, his mother, was a devout Christian woman. Very hard and very unusual for her to be a a devout Christian in this pagan land, but she was. And she was cast into this unequally yoked marriage, this relationship, because of an arranged marriage by her parents. So she didn't have a choice in the matter. But like many women who find themselves in this type of situation, Monica, you know, she really invested all of her energy, all of her hopes, all of her dreams into her her child, into her little baby. But as Augustine grew older, he would break his mother's heart over and over and over. Augustine grew up, and he became a thief, he became a liar, and he became a lust-filled adulterer. Monica wanted nothing more than to see her young boy come to know Jesus Christ and receive him as his Lord and Savior. But instead, Augustine ended up following in his father's footsteps. Now, Monica, she had every right to become bitter, to become angry. She could have judged her son and her husband. She could have scorned them. She could have nagged them day after day. Look how you're living. But she chose not to. Instead, she chose to be reverent in her behavior. Reverent in her behavior. She loved her husband, even though he didn't deserve it. And she loved her son, even though he rejected her and continually broke her heart day after day. I want to share something that Augustine would write later in his life. He said, Woe is me. Do I dare affirm that thou didst hold thy peace, O my God, while I wandered farther away from thee? Didst thou really then hold thy peace? Then whose words were they but thine, which, my, uh, which, into my, uh, which by my mother, thy faithful handmaid, thou didst pour into my ears? None of them, however, sank into my heart, 
to make me do anything. She deplored, and as I remember, warned me privately with great solicitude, not to commit fornication, but above all things, never to defile another man's wife. These appeared to me to be womanish counsels, which I would have blushed to obey. Yet they were from thee, and I knew it not. I thought that thou wast silent, and that it was only she who spake. Yet it was through her that you did not keep silence toward me. And in rejecting her counsel, I was rejecting thee. You see, Augustine would come to recognize that God was speaking directly to him through his godly, faithful mom, Monica. But at that time, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear godly counsel. He just wanted to continue to live the lifestyle that he was living. Nothing breaks a mother's heart like a wayward child. Amen. Nothing hurts more than a wayward child. Moms, I want to give you some advice. Don't ever give up. Keep loving and keep living for God. Keep living that reverent behavior. Your children are watching regardless of how they are living. They see it. Amen? They see how you're living. You are teaching them every single day. And we're talking about Monica for this mom. The deck was certainly stacked against her. Amen? She lived in that pagan Roman Empire with an ungodly husband. Society and, and even her own husband. They were telling her, ah, stop worrying. Boys will be boys. Amen? He's only doing what is natural for a young man to do. But all she knew was that her son was lost and unsaved. And she wasn't going to let him go to hell without a fight. Amen? And what was her weapon of choice in that fight, in that battle? It was prayer. Prayer. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed for her son. Listen to what Augustine would, would write about his mom. And now you did stretch forth your hand from above, quoting Psalm 144.7, and did draw up my soul out of that profound darkness, because my mother, thy faithful one, wept to thee on my behalf more than mothers, mothers are accustomed to weep for their bodily deaths of their children. For by the light of, uh, of the faith and spirit which she received from you. She saw that I was dead, talking about spiritual death. And you did hear her, O Lord. You did hear her and despised not her tears when pouring down. They watered the earth under her eyes in every place where she prayed. You did truly hear her. Moms, you can learn a lot from this mature woman. Amen. From this woman who chose to live that reverent life. Look how she's still teaching today. More than 1,600 years later, and we're talking about how she lived and she's still teach, uh, teaching today. So keep praying. Keep fighting for your children, for your husband, for your family. 
keep lifting them up in prayer every single day. And I want you to notice something. Those prayers didn't happen overnight. Answered prayers took 32 years. Amen? 32 years of heartache. 32 years of tears and worrying. 32 years of suffering day and night thinking about that wayward child. 32 years of faithful prayers of tears running down her cheeks. 32 years. But God heard those prayers. Her son noticed her reverent behavior. Her son, knowing that, she, that his mother was praying for him day and night, finally knelt down before the foot of Calvary's cross and received Jesus Christ as his Lord and as his Savior. And went on to be one of the most influential writers on Christianity. Moms, how long have you been praying for your children and your family? The key is to don't stop. Don't give up. Continually, continue to faithfully pray. God hears. want to be like an infomercial, but wait, there's more. Monica didn't only pray for her son, but she also prayed day and night for her husband. And her faithful, quiet witness, her reverent behavior, was an example that paid off. For even her husband came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior. Amen. Praise God for that. You see, a mother's work is never done. Amen. It continues through her heartaches, to her prayers, to her joy, and it carries on from generation to generation. Amen. She teaches each coming generation through the legacy that she left. A legacy of a mom who loved her husband, even though he didn't deserve it. A mom who loved her children, even though they would grow up to break her heart over and over and over. But she didn't stop. She didn't give up. She continued to pray faithfully day and night. And she leaves behind that legacy for generations to come. And I just want to thank every mom that is here. Amen. I want to thank you for all that you do. And it's my prayer that God richly bless you and your family.